to It's All Beer, craft beer news, industry shit, and beer for breakfast. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Thank you for turning off your phone on this this, this time around. <laughs> Fuck you, Jeremy. <laughs> how's your summer been? We're uh, uh, It's been pretty good. Busy but good. So yeah. how's yours? Uh, the same. I'm still trying. I'm still trying desperately to get a book out, but uh, it's been it, it's been a challenge. Yeah, I have no idea where July went, but apparently it happened. And actually, we're still on. Uh, we we're still uh, technically on our break for what a couple more weeks. I think we're gonna hit it back up. Uh, third week of September, I'm guessing. Yep, I'm I'm booked through the first week of September. After that, my schedule clears up. So, so we're still so we're still on break for a little bit. But we came together for uh, a special edition of It's All Beer. Uh, we got a special guest in the house. Um, the owner and operator of soon-to-be uh, Gem State Brewing right here in Boise, uh, Chris, McGin- Chris McGinnis. How you doing? Eagle, actually. Eagle. Thank Excuse you for me. that clarification. Uh, hello, hello. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, I'm uh, Chris McGinnis, and we are opening up Gem State Brewing in Eagle, Idaho. So we'll get into uh, uh, the challenges of opening a new brewery, because yes. I think that's... <laughs> there are many. That is that is for sure. <laughs> but before we do that, um, we've missed a little bit of craft beer news uh, while we've been off, so uh, let's uh, let's let's do a little bit of that. Um, ABN Bev is still ruining everything. News now, Tyler. It's clear that we can never ever go on break because so as long as we are here shaming ABN Bev every week, things are kind of groovy. They they occasionally come out with a brand that uh, that pisses off a clothing company. Uh, they get into it with Miller Coors, but otherwise they keep things... And no librarian got a Spokane, but... And no, yeah. Um, but uh, they haven't acquired any any new breweries since we've been on. In fact, if you can think about it, as long as we're on the podcast, they're not acquiring any breweries, so... That's, You're welcome, world. I mean, that, that means that we're the last line of defense that protects craft beer... God help us all. From, ...from the evils of AB InBev. Um, so, this report, this came from uh, Brewbound August 7th. Um, ABM Bev bought Platform uh, Beer Company, Ohio's fastest growing brewery. Platform creates 200 unique beers a year and has a portfolio of over 600, which is objectively too many. Fucking A. <laughs> that, is, that is almost a, a, a new recipe every fucking day. It's, it basically sounds like they're, they're kind of an experimental brewery, cider. They do the hard seltzers. We'll get into that. But um, AB InBev, or excuse me, Platform will join AB InBev's Brewers Collective, which I thought it was called the High Side. When did that change? Uh, I, I, it used to be the High End. Or High End, excuse uh, me. And, like, the division of AB InBev was XYZ Ventures that was running the High End. But I don't know when they switched it over to the Brewers Collective. I'm not sure either. I mean, I guess the brand change makes sense. I mean, if, it, if the podcast has taught us anything... When I think AB InBev, I think cooperation. Just ask Miller Coors. <laughs> um, we've we've been over and over uh, AB InBev um, for basically since we it was basically the first story we did. So I think and our, every story after that basically. I think our views on AB InBev are pretty uh, and brewery acquisitions in general pretty well known. But I kind of want to toss to Chris. Uh, what are what, what do you think about uh, brewery acquisitions in general and AB InBev specifically? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for putting me on the spot. I like it. <laughs> so my stance on it has always been uh, if the original brewery keeps the quality and the overall uh, marketing of what they're trying to do, if they just get logistical support, fantastic. You get beers into new markets that they couldn't, uh, you know, what they couldn't get into themselves. 
And I think that's fantastic. When they start chopping quality and it's about profits and it's about how to make a buck, that's when you lose the brand. And that's where things go south. That's fair. Do you, but do you think that it's logical to ever be able to do that? Because I think you kind of know that going in, that you're going to have to, you're now playing with the corporate environment. I don't think, I think about every brewery either anticipates or is going to be subjected to some of that, some of those measures. Somebody with, somebody in a suit with a logbook is going to come and say, hey, you're spending a lot of money on hops. Absolutely. And I think, uh, yeah, getting into the business, you know, somebody comes knocking on the door and says, hey, I got $20 million to buy your brand and what you're doing. That's a tough you know, thing to think about. Uh, what does that do for our brand and our business and where does it take it? Uh, you know, an acquisition itself, there could be some pros, there could be some cons. And they, I think overall, yeah, we've seen a lot of negative side of it. People have loved some of these brands in the beginning and have seen the negative side, seen it go downhill. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's a slippery slope. That's an absolute. I'm look, interested in to see how this this one turns out. Uh, I didn't know anything about this because it's in Ohio, which is apparently um, this comes from Good Beer Hunting, one of the uh, just a booming beer market right now, which is weird for me because last time I was in Ohio and this was 2014, their brewery district contained exactly zero breweries, which was that was in Columbus. Kind of hard to have a brewery district. Ohio is basically the state of mediocrity. I always expect the uh, like you to, as you're going into the state of Ohio just to see Ohio, meh. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know Ohio is the only state with no natural lakes. I know that because I went to Ohio one time. <laughs> okay. Well, again, the state of mediocrity. <laughs> what caught me off guard at first is I just saw someone post something on Facebook that ABMBev acquired, and I saw. A, the logo, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Bottle Logic sold out, and yes. then I was like, "Oh, wait, they're not out of Ohio, they're out of California." And then I was like, "Platform, huh? That's odd." And fun fact: what half was going on at that at the time? So apparently, Bottle Logic has filed a lawsuit um, for trademark infringement on the use of platforms uh light bulb in the logo uh let me find the article here on brewbound bottle logic is refuting platforms attempt to register its light bulb marks claiming they are too similar to their own and would create confusion uh the trademark trial and appeal board denied motions for summary judgment from both sides and the dispute is now slated to go to trial uh from what brewbound has gathered so far um the Appeal Board did find that Bottle Logic had priority over the first mark as its first use is in 2013 to proceed Platform, which was founded in 2014. Uh, Platform claims it used the second image in its dispute before Bottle Logic. So, whole lot of legal garbage. We'll see how this shakes out, especially now that Platform has AB money and lawyers backing them. And I'm sure AB and Bev will in no way be complete gaping assholes about the entire situation. Never. Never. <laughs> uh, we got one more thing before we get into uh, uh, into Jim uh, uh, State Brewing. Uh, let's-, let's take a stroll down memory, memory lane here. For everyone that went to college or was a degenerate in high school... There was the blackout in a can known as Four Loco before they had to strip the caffeine out of it. You'd see a 100-pound sorority girl chugging a Four Loco and then puking in a bush 20 minutes later. Ah, memories. Yep. 
Well, Four Loco decided to come back into relative relativity now, and they are releasing a hard seltzer. And I was so worried that there would uh, that we were we weren't uh, having enough hard seltzer out there. In fact, even the, the this uh, platform brewery does a hard seltzer. So, from what I have gathered from a couple articles, they're calling it a sour seltzer with a hint of blue raz. And and the ABV, fourteen <laughs> percent alcohol. They are gonna murder people. <laughs> so it's more of like. A blackout with a hint of blue raz. Yeah. Um, from everything I've read, uh, they haven't announced an official date, uh, but it's going to be a blue raspberry sour seltzer at 14%, where most like White Claws and all spiked seltzers are at about 5%, so they're tripling it up. And then that kind of started the onslaught of natural light and PBR opening up we're going to do a hard seltzer now. Oh, goody. So, I guess my question is, does anybody... The, the whole point of these is that they're low calorie, low sugar, low everything else. Did anybody bring up the thing that 14% is rather high in calories, or are we just going to go with this? I think they're just going to go with it. I mean, I'm glad Four Loco kept to their brand of just being <laughs> <laughs> terrible tasting, but get you hammered for real cheap. <laughs> I mean that's the kind of yeah that's that's the kind of image you want that I feel like that's a good you got your market set up so they will sell to college kids now how terrible it tastes I'm not sure well I mean they're all hard seltzers are all kind of terrible vague, vaguely horrible but I feel like one that's 14 percent you need more horrible flavor to cover up the burn because I think also the point of this is to be able to chug this with wild abandon. And then, you know, pass out and said puke-covered bush. And you can't do that if you're, like, if it starts affecting you. Like, like oh, that's got some burn to it. That doesn't work. Yeah. So you're going to need some flavor. That, that blue ras better punch you in the fucking face. <laughs> 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 All right. So that'll end, the, uh, that'll end the news section. Let's. We kind of skipped over what we were drinking, but uh, we'll do that now. Um, Chris, what are we drinking today? Yeah, so I brought three samples of beers that we've been working on. Uh, what we're starting off here is what we've just labeled as a Hoppy Saison. Um, we're using a little bit of Chinook, Halitau, uh, and uh, Cascade in there. Something kind of a little bit of a cleaner Saison base. You get a little bit of the hop kind of bareness from it. Uh, yeah, kind of an easier drinking Saison. Yeah, uh, it's nice. I've got, I do get like that, uh, this the uh that that bitter like herbal resiny hop flavor it blends fairly well with the uh like the spicy peppery phenols in the saison uh it's got a nice dry finish so yeah that's 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 pretty good is that gonna be uh where's that looking in on your portfolio so far i know you're still experimenting yeah so we've brewed uh probably close to 100 batches this past year kind of trying to dial things in and I'll fully admit, Saison, I don't know the commercial aspect to it. Um, it's a tough sell out in the marketplace, but I think this could be something for the tap room, kind of a you know early spring into summer, something fun to throw on, small batch, um, just something to keep playing with as a base in a style that some breweries do you know around town, but it's kind of uh, a lost art, I would say. I agree. I mean, I 
Yeah, I it's I think it is a hard market. Although anything that's not IPA is a hard market sell. Yeah, and so but especially Belgians, I feel have such a limited market. In this, area. and then most people, if they're going to order a Belgian, are going to go for the actual beer made in Belgium. And well, and I think saisons are just people still. People are still not sure what to make of them because you cause you kind of try to explain. Well, it's supposed to be a light, it's supposed to be dry, it's supposed to be got all these yeast characteristics. Funky. Yeah, and they kind of and they kind of look at you blankly and you go, "Here, just drink this and tell me if you like it." So that's yeah, that's kind of our thought on it, and you know, absolutely, it's not something that I think we would push very hard, but you know, it's a recipe that I've enjoyed drinking this summer, and you know, I think there's something there to keep playing with it. Fair enough. All right, so let's get into it. Um, Chris, you have uh, you are embarking on the uh, on that grand journey to actually open a brewery. Um, the first question is: Are you insane? And uh, this... <laughs> yeah, I think a little bit. Um, I guess first, the second thing is: Take me through the process. I mean, it's as simple as you can possibly make it, step by step. How does one go from "I'm going to make a brewery" to "I'm now running a brewery"? Absolutely. So. Within that, there's a couple of questions. Um, I think the actual starting of a brewery, the business itself, isn't difficult. Anybody can go down, register a company. Um, I mean, if you're not a criminal and you can pass a background check and you've got a little bit of cash in your pocket, you can start a brewery. Where we are kind of having a few ups and downs um, on top of starting a new business, we're trying to build a building. And that is kind of having all sorts of problems within itself. Um, it's a learning process. You know, we've, we've never run a business. We've never built a building before. And we're kind of trying to find our way through it. Uh, we've had some great uh, achievements over the past year. And we've had a couple of pitfalls that we're, we're trying to work through. But, yeah, from a brewery standpoint, you know, it, if you have a good business plan, you have a good product, you believe in what you're doing... Anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. You gotta find the right space. You gotta find the right brand. You gotta, you know, have a little bit of money in your pocket and get it going. But anybody can do it. It's fair enough. So where about are you in the process right now? So to go back a year, um, when we decided to start the brewery, we knew we wanted to be an eagle, and that's for two reasons. One, uh, one of the business partners, Crystal Karen. We actually, so she's a long-term girlfriend of mine. We live on her family's uh, old farmland. Her family has been in Eagle for 100 years farming, and we're fortunate to live on the last chunk of land, so we knew Eagle was going to be home. And it's the northernmost city in California. (laughs) Uh, That would be McCall. I was going to say, I wanted to kind of jump in there for anyone living outside of Idaho. Uh, Eagle's kind of the, uh, is a posh bedroom community of Boise. Uh, A little bit to the north, it's historically where uh, the people build insanely big houses and commute to Boise. Which, Which that lends us into the second reason why we want to open a brewery in Eagle, Idaho. Uh, it's an untapped market. There's nobody there right now. In Eagle, uh, they're spending upwards of $7 million a year on alcohol, and they're either leaving the city to go buy it, or it's getting trucked in. Nobody's supplying it there in town. Um, Historically, the city has kind of been difficult to get a brewery up and running. Past couple years, they've kind of relaxed some of their zoning laws and whatnot, and they want the industry to come. So we're at a good time now to get it going. We... Again, just got to get over that hurdle of getting the building built. That's that's the big challenge. So I'm curious about that now all of a sudden because I've always 
wondered why uh, someone hasn't tried to open a brewery in Eagle before, because it seems like such an obvious market. You mentioned the city of Eagle. Is were they were were they a little bit hesitant to like grant a, a brewery? They were. So to kind of just sum it up real easily, there are zoning uh, restrictions for where a business can go. And up until just a couple years ago, the idea of a craft brewery did not uh, fall in any of the guidelines for a zoning area. Uh, so what that meant is a new brewery coming to town had to operate under a conditional use permit, which was possible. Somebody could come pay the money, open up a business, get going. But what that could also mean is if you get a new administration or somebody doesn't like what your business is doing, they can revoke the permit, the conditional use permit. And for me, starting a business, absolutely not. I need to be looking long term. I need to know that the land that I'm operating on, nobody can tell me I can't do it. So over the past couple of years, they've started incorporating uh, craft breweries as an allowed use for certain zones. The chunk of land that we purchased right in downtown Eagle falls with within the central business district, which it is an allowed use. Nobody can tell us you can't run a brewery on that land. So that was the first thing that I think tripped up a lot of people. Um, the towns kind of around Eagle understood that probably for the past 10, 15 years, and they've been a little bit more open to the business. Uh, Eagle's kind of late to the game, which it's going to benefit us, but you know, it, we welcome other people coming to town. Uh, I've always said more competition in a smaller area is only going to, you know, kind of fuel creativity and a better product. So it, it's a wide open market. It, Chris, do you want to explain for everyone who is listening from the Treasure Valley where this is going to be at there in Eagle? Or Yeah, so right downtown, um, the address that we just got assigned to the property, it's 293 East State Street. And anybody who is familiar with downtown Eagle, um, there's a really nice public park called Heritage Park. There's a little gazebo. They do concerts and all that. Uh, our property is going to be just two spots down from that Heritage Park area. Uh, but right on the main drag if you will of downtown eagle so we're so as we're going we're uh, uh, we've gotten into an, another one of uh, the beers you brought uh what's uh what are we drinking now so the second beer that we're tasting on is a lemon thyme wheat so real light wheat base um fresh lemon thyme out of the garden uh, we did throw in a couple of fresh lemon peels into the fermenter i'll admit i think we could probably up it to keep kind of have that real vibrant summer citrusy fresh beer uh you get kind of a lot of the lemon thyme i think comes through. you get a lot of lemon yeah. Yeah. when i first took a sip of this i was like if this is his lager uh Chris, <laughs> you had something pop up i'm getting a lot of like herbal yeah. notes coming through uh i wasn't sure what i mean i i i, I smelled it first and i'm going and it took me a minute because i'm going am i smelling pine what am i yeah. what 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 is that <laughs> yeah it threw me off and now that he said because I started this one before the rest of the guys, so I'm a quarter of the way through my glass <laughs> no, trying to figure it out yeah. what is. No wonder in this Tyler's beer. been over there so quiet. He's just like looking at his glass, yeah. confused, going, <laughs> "I just, I don't know what what uh, what's happening right now." Um, Makes total so, sense now that you yeah. said that. So again, Crystal Karen, one of the business partners, uh, just a great eye, I think, on flavors, and she's. You know, I do the brewing, but she's kind of the creative backbone with ideas and, hey, let's throw this in there. Let's try this. And she's got, you know, quite a garden going and was plucking some lemon thyme the other day and said, hey, 
let's figure out something that we can throw this in, try to start playing with the flavors, see what we can do. Um, we want to start with a light wheat base to kind of really let that shine. And like I said, I, I will admit, I think we could probably up a little bit of actual fresh lemon character to it, but... I, I like the idea of using a wheat base in this because a wheat sh should not, the flavors from a wheat should lend itself to kind of that lemon thyme characteristic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it works pretty well. Um, I mean, the, the lemon thyme is not subtle. It's, it, um, now that I know what it is, it's like, yeah, the thyme just absolutely bursts on the aroma. It's, yeah. it's right there, but it's still, it's really nicely drinkable. It's a nice, Really nice drinkable herbed beer. So um, again, yeah. Now that I'm not thinking it's a lager, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For you know, hey, that's why styles matter, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that, I mean, the good news is if you looked up on the menu and you go, oh, lemon thyme, yeah. at least you're expecting it. Instead little... <laughs> of flying blind on a bottle, <laughs> yeah. just look on your face, going, all right, if this is the lager. How do I tell him? <laughs> <laughs> on <Stop>. air. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be awkward, man. But you might want to look at your fermentation temperature. <laughs> I don't know where you get pine out of a lager. <laughs> but, so anyway, all right. So, well, as we're going here, I have a, uh, we'll continue on. Um, so, keeping in mind you're not done yet. Uh, I feel like the, you're, you're, there's still a lot of adventure to ha be had. Um, yeah. What has been, what part of this process has surprised you the most? Financing. And I just flat out put it out there. Uh if you got money, he'll take it. <laughs> Anybody. Uh, can I say my number right now? No. Uh, so what happened was, a year ago, we decided to start the business. We looked at the original location, which was an existing building. They're in downtown as well. Um, it was a business that had purchased a new building and will be moving out. And on the face of it, it was a 6,000 square foot cinder block building, screamed brewery. Uh, when we got into it and we kind of got some mechanical engineers to come poke around, they said, run, don't even think about this thing. It's a 40 year old cinder block building that needs a ton of work and updating and all that. So that brought us to the vacant land that we found in downtown. Uh, once we purchased or once we started looking at purchasing the land, we brought a bank in and we knew that kind of doing our research on how we thought things would go. We would purchase the land. We have working capital to get started, um, but we'd put that up against the loan for the building. And for four months, the original bank said, oh, it's a great plan. You have a great business plan. You've got good you know, marketing. You've got a good logo. You're already getting traction on social media. Everything looks good. Buy the land. Go through the city approvals. Basically, the check is there. Um, city approval time came, which was about six, or six weeks ago, and I couldn't get the guy on the phone. So we go a couple of weeks and basically I got a call back saying, you know, we reviewed it. Nope, we're not interested. Now let me, you know, reiterate, we've purchased the land. We've got architect renderings. We, we've gone through the process. We have the approval to build the building. We're now left holding the bag. We got nothing to move forward. So for the past six weeks, we've been kind of hitting the ground. You know, I've been talking with every bank in the Treasure Valley, trying to get this rolling. Um, to me, I thought we've got a good chunk of collateral up against it. This was going to be the easy part. I thought, hey, we've got a you know good business idea. We're going to build a building downtown Eagle. Smooth sailing. This has been the speed bump. We're going to find it. There's somebody out there. We got the right you know idea, and we're going to keep moving forward. Uh, we just are kind of at a little bit of an impasse right now until mm -hmm. we until we get the building going. Okay. So, that, that's been the biggest, I think, eye-opener in the whole thing. Uh, 
I think I had a little bit of an idea for the craft beer industry. I got an idea for marketing. I got an idea for social media. I didn't know anything about the banking industry, and now I know. So learning experience all around. But in five years, when we're up and running, this will all be you know, a big laugh while my hair is turning gray for six weeks, and we're trying to figure out what we're, you know, how we're moving forward. Fair enough. Um, so uh, what are your so focusing on the the actual structure up now correct um, which is I'm, I imagine that's just a hell that I mean starting a brewery in a in an existing place has got to be hell on wheels um, um, to build it from ground up yeah, yeah. I mean ask powder Haas about that <laughs> at least at least and at least they had funding <laughs> yeah so you know we looked at it from a business standpoint of we're going to own the dirt. We're going to own the building. Long term, it's going to make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, short term, there's a reason why people go into an industrial park, oh, throw absolutely. some things in, get going. And, you know, I, I, I dream big. We have big aspirations with this. And I, I thought, let's go ahead and just all in. Let's get this going. And we're going to. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. We're not by any means dead in the water here. We're going to figure it out. Um, yeah, it's just it. It's that one component of we we gotta get a building built, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we just keep moving forward with the business. So. All right, um, and while you're doing that, you've been I I, I I watch you on social media. You're constantly uh, uh, you're constantly experimenting with uh, with different styles, different yep. uh, uh, different brews. It looks like you're doing a lot of uh, a lot of small batches just to just so that when you have the when you have the equipment, and you have the space. You're ready to start pumping out some beer. Um, tell me what your if, if there is such a thing. What your brewing philosophy is is right now? Absolutely. So, uh, a little background on myself. I've been you know past couple of years is working for a local brewery here in Boise, and I I attribute everything that we're doing moving forward with the time that I spent there, and I got to you know work with great people, and the idea was. Always fresh fruits, uh, no extracts, no artificial flavors, and it, it's a little bit of a tougher way to brew, but the customer will resonate with that. And I carry that on to the business going forward. We use you know fresh ingredients. We're not taking shortcuts. Um, big flavors. If we say that it's going to be lemon thyme, you know what? You're going to taste lemon thyme. Fair yeah. enough. There's no there's look. There's nothing subtle about the, this one. It's Overkill's just, underrated. <laughs> Absolutely. I've heard that before, and that is kind of the underlying philosophy of my brewing style is, yeah, uh, we want big, bold flavors. And, you know, we, we do a lot of traveling. We try a lot of breweries. We try a lot of different beers. And, I, you know, not to dig on anybody or badmouth, but I think there's a lot of mediocre beer out there. And I think that there's a lot of uh, wasted opportunity of people who are in the industry able to kind of create something really special that are missing the mark. And I, I really hope that, you know, everything we put out, if it's a beer style that isn't necessarily my favorite, we're going to do it to the best of our ability because that's what, you know, we want the customer who does like that style or loves it. We want them to really enjoy what, you know, what we're offering. So you kind of, you kind of touched on something that I'm, that I get asked all the time. Um, and, I, I have my own opinion, but I'm kind of curious, especially since you know you're you're starting you're starting a brewery. Saturation in Boise and then nationally 
in craft beer? Where where do you think we're at? Are we at the are we at saturation point or on the other end or not even close? Not even close. I I think overall, uh, not just beer. I think there's kind of a shift in the past couple years. People want a better product and are willing to pay a little bit more for it. And I'm I'm sure. You know, many, many moons ago, there's been cycles that people have gone through this and, you know, you the new fad, you're willing to pay a little bit more, whatever it is. I don't lump beer in as a fad. I would say that there's a mentality shift that people want to try something exciting, something different, and not just the same old flavors that have been going on for, you know, 40, 50 years. And so for the beer standpoint, yes, it, it feels like there's a lot of breweries in town. It feels like within the beer community, it might be a little bit stagnant, but the beer community and those people who are really vocal, I think is kind of a small uh, percentage of the beer drinkers out there. And there's a lot of beer drinkers out there that could still be converted to craft beer. And I, I think the market, yeah, I I mean, hey, we're banking everything on it. <laughs> I mean, clearly, so. I mean, I clearly didn't go into this thinking like, oh yeah, it's oversaturated. Yeah. I'm basically throwing money into a blag pit, and um, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to figure out the easiest way to be uh, to to be broke. Yeah, <laughs> I will also just touch in on this. I think a lot of people like to see or know who is where that product is coming from, or make who is making that product. Absolutely. And that's one thing that I, I really learned again working at the brewery here in town. Uh, you know, that connection with the customer is so important. And to have a brewer or an owner or somebody behind the bar or somebody running samples off of a tank that, you know, it's a new special beer that not everybody, it might not even make it to market. But if you're including people in the process, it is so huge. And yeah, there's a lot of beers that are distributed here in Boise, but even still, there could be some hype about it, but they don't have the connection with the brewery. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that alone, you can really carve out, you know, kind of a name for yourself. And yeah, I mean, I, that's something that we want to be. We want to be in touch with every customer that comes in. We want them to know our brand, our story. I, I plan on living at the brewery and I, you know, they're going to say, hey, who's that bum sleeping in the back? Oh, that's the brewer owner. I mean, <laughs> that's the idea is we're always going to be there. And this is this is what's going to kind of take us forward. So to kind of play off that a little as well, Chris, uh, what kind of system are you looking at starting with? Or how big are you looking at going off the get-go? So the current plan, um, well, the equipment, we're looking at SS BrewTech. Uh, I was fortunate to go down to California, Southern California, two weeks ago and kind of talk with them, check out their warehouse. And I beyond amazed with what they're doing. And they're really trying to think of every little bit of feedback that they've been getting from the brewers in the industry over the past years with their equipment, they're incorporating it into their new models for no additional cost. And it, they really are a company that just wants people to make good beer. Of course they're making money on it, but they, they really are about the breweries. Uh, so we're going with SS BrewTech. Uh, we're shooting to start with a 15-barrel brew system with roughly 100 barrels of fermentation capacity. So spread over six tanks. It will allow me to kind of experiment, um, different flavors, different batches, all that stuff. Um, in kind of the lieu of the recent you know, financing and all that, we're trying to figure out if we need to scale back a little bit and work into it we might drop that down to a 10 barrel system but it's going to be very much the same 
idea of how we go about the brews and the variety uh, just on a slightly smaller scale, but that would get us up and running for them. So kind of a mid-level for the area. There's some smaller, there's some much bigger, but it's kind of... Yeah, uh, absolutely. It sounds about, it sounds about standard for where you start off. Yeah, it yeah. gets the foot in the door, it gets us a little bit of distribution, um, keeps beer flowing in the tap room, and then, you know, from there we evaluate and sky's the limit, see what happens. All right. So let me, so, um, I constantly hear people, um, you know, uh, how, how hard is it to start a brewery? And I always say, uh, it's a nightmare. Um, as you're going through it, um, scale of one to 10 where, you know, one being, oh, it's no problem. They just, they, they get, they hand them out at the airport and 10 going, uh, don't just, just don't where, where, where is this? The naive side of me says two or three. Uh, the reality is, you know, it. There's, there's. Why do you want to start a brewery? Is it that you like beer and you want to be immersed in the industry and all of that? Well, that's probably not going to work. But if you want to get into an industry that you're going to be pulling 12, 16-hour days, there's going to be long, monotonous runs of, you know, 90% of the day is cleaning and, you know, looking after things. If those are the right reasons of why you want to get into it, there's there's potential like you wouldn't believe. Um, so to say, you know, how easy is it to just start it? I mean, again, literally anybody can go down to the assessor's office and all recorder's office and start a business. But to really grasp what it takes to get it going, I think you got to spend a little bit of time in the industry. You have to do those 12 hour days. You have to do those you know, brew in the morning and then go to a market in the evening and be dead tired and wake up the next day and just be thrilled what you're doing. So. I like, I kind of I, I like your view on that because I, I, every once in a while I still run into someone who's sort of convinced that the the craft beer industry is basically, you know, it, it's basically a place where you can just say, uh, I, I opened a brewery and then you get to Scrooge McDuck it into a, just a pile of money. And get drunk all day. And get drunk all day. Well, let's be honest. I mean, you're drunk all day. But aside <laughs> from that, uh, no, it, you know, it's it, it's hard work. There's a lot that has to go into running it or just the operation of making beer and getting beer to a customer in the tap room or through distribution. However you're getting it out there. Uh, there's a lot of steps that have to happen. And I don't think people quite understand even homebrewers, I think on a small scale, homebrewers, you know, you're, you're throwing your carboy in a little temperature control from 10, you're thinking, oh, grand ideas of I can scale this up big and I'm going to make a million dollars and all this. And it, it doesn't quite translate like that <laughs> easily, but it's doable. I mean, the market's out there. There's spaces out there. You, you need a little chunk of cash in your pocket to get rolling, but you know, it, it's doable. I, I will never be one to turn somebody away from if that is the passion, that's what they want to do. Go for it. Fair enough. You kind of touched on homebrewers. I mean, you know, a lot of this, a lot of this comes from uh, where I get this a lot is from homebrewers, and especially ones who've started out and they've made a couple of good batches, and then the friends show up and like, oh my gosh, you should sell this, and they go, yeah, I should. Yeah. And that that's that's where they usually come. They're like, how do I how do I do that? I mean, can I just can, can I just, like, sell you a keg? And, like, no. No, quite. <laughs> well, I mean, you could, the I TTB guess. TTB and uh, ABC's going to be all up your bubble. Yeah. <laughs> so 
So there's there's quite a bit. So what we're tasting here, and I don't want to lump any of this into it. We're tasting my homebrew recipes. That's mm-hmm. that's what we're doing. Uh, we cannot sell as Gem State Brewing until we have a facility to produce in. And, and with, approved by the TTB. That's approved. That's gotten through the permitting process. Has the walkthroughs. We can show you know how we're using the correct chemicals and storage and all of these different aspects to it. Um, yeah, you you can't just make beer and go out and sell it. It's there is a little bit of a process to it. And speaking of uh, and speaking of brews, we're cracking into the uh, to the third one you brought uh, for us today. Uh, a nice uh, a nice dark brew. Good roast notes on it. A little bit of coffee, touch a touch of chocolate, like that, like yeah, a husky uh, that husky aroma from the grain. So this is our American stout recipe. Uh, this is version three. Uh, it's big. There's a lot going on in there. Mm-hmm. It's big roast characters. It's big hop characters. Uh, it it's something that I love dark beers, and I. I can drink dark beers year-round. I can't drink overly rich dark beers year-round. I do. You pop open, you know, big barrel-aged out in the middle of summer. They're delicious. This, to me, kind of fills that gap of, yes, it's big and it's flavorful, but it's not overly sweet or it's not overly rich. And I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've i been drinking a lot of this this summer. Again, this is the third batch that we've been working on. Fair enough. And I, I, I kind of dig it. It's got... Uh, it's it's more roasty than sweet. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. got that it's got that like uh, that that black roasted barley, the 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 coffee. I get like the woody resinous uh, hops on it. Um, still fairly easy drinking, and the bitterness actually makes it pretty drinkable even in the middle of bloody August. So, yeah. and that's kind of the idea with it is you know it's it's by no means a black IPA. It's not a, just another IPA that's. You know, no, it's definitely color. a stout. It's, it's not, yeah, yeah it's not it's, overhopped. It's a big, you know, it's a roasty beer. And I, For my it, personal preference, it's a little on the higher hop side, but I, it's nothing that would turn me off from ordering a pint of it or a snifter. Or What's the alcohol percentage on this? Uh, 6.5%. Not okay, bad. yeah. See, I'm, and maybe it's just because I'm just now so used to, to Idaho uh, Northwest style is that actually the hops... Seem about right. I mean, it's uh, you, you hand it to me you're like, yeah, that's definitely an, uh, an American stout. It's yeah. definitely hoppier than than some, but um, not not black. I- there are a few of that I'm like, you just made a, a you- black IPA that's yeah. imperial. <laughs> yeah, or you made an IPA that you colored black. I mean, I, there's no underlying roast character to it or anything. And mm-hmm. I, this is the other end of the spectrum that we wanted to go with. All right, so I've got a couple of just like. Um, questions about trends and styles for you since I'm, I'm sure you have your eye on this because you're trying to figure out where to position yourself um, you know right out of the gate um, we've talked about this style more than a few times uh, hazy IPAs your your view oh well uh, I, I mean underlying you know it's a great style. It's a great flavor. I, I, whether you love it or you hate it, marketing, people are just trying to make money, whatever it is, I love the flavor. I, I love the flavor of the hops without the bitterness punch. I'll admit, I'm not the IPA guy. So, and I've said this for years. 
I'm not the one who's going to really come out with the next IPA that's going to blow everybody away. That's going to win all of the awards, and I know that. We're going to come out with a great IPA. It's going to be something that you know we're proud of, but that's not my go-to beer. So a hazy IPA, just the style in itself, resonates with me. Because it, it, it's kind of a softer IPA. You still get the flavors. You get kind of an interesting character, but you don't have the bitter punch that mm-hmm. you know it, a lot of people don't like and i i get why they're so popular mm-hmm. uh, yeah i've you know taken my shot at a couple small batch recipes and we will play with the style i more than just a yeah the, the marketing side of it i think it's an interesting style that it it lends itself to kind of play with a lot of fun flavors the future of it. Do you see it? Uh, is it this point in time, in your view, just another IPA fad, or is it? Is that? Is that going to stick around? Is that something you're willing to like put some time in? Like, no, this is this is this, this is real. We're gonna we, we want to uh, hang on to this. I don't know that we will have seven hazies on tap all the time. Um, I do think it will be something that, at minimum, would be a seasonal that we do year round, or that we, a seasonal that comes around every year. Um, it's got enough traction and I think enough people like it that there is the market for it in the tap room and through distribution. I, I think it will be something that's always, it's here to stay. That's, that's my opinion on it. Okay. Yeah. Second one I got. I'm looking at the disappointment <laughs> on your guys' faces. No, I, 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 know. Yeah. It's pretty much that's pretty much my opinion too, and uh, I think it's. I'm right there with you, but I think uh, that I'm a hazied out man. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm I'm shitty hazied out. Every once in a while, yeah. I'll come across like a true, and I don't, and I, and I, I'm the last holdout. I don't like the term hazy or juicy IPA. I prefer northeast style. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a distinction without a difference, probably. But I, I think that you say northeast IPA, you're a little bit more specific. It's black about, IPA, Cascadian dark ale. Yeah, yeah. It's it. You're talking about it has to have the body. It has to have the. It has to have that haze. It has to have that yeast characteristic. It has to have an insane amount of hops. Yep. Added late in the process. It has to be very expensive to brew. Um, I mean, that's a. And so that's why you see twenty four dollar four packs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so I, I'm I'm. Tired of yeah. I don't like the the West Coast IPAs that they've just slapped hazy on there and just didn't and, and just didn't put in a bright tank. I agree. And yeah, when you buy, you know, the four pack for twenty dollars, and the first one is slightly hazy, but after it sat in the fridge for a couple of days and it's crystal clear, that's not a good representation of the style. Now, the idea of a hazy, I think, gets lost in the marketing side of it. I think the idea behind the, what the style is and the flavor. You can do a crystal clear, juicy, non-bitter beer, call it whatever you want, could be a fantastic flavor, but if somebody slapped hazy on it and the customer looked at it and said, this isn't hazy, they're going to have a negative idea right. of what it is. So, right, right, right. I mean, and, and the, in, you know, the, the brewery that immediately comes to mind that does, like, does those kind of, you know, the crystal clear, but still huge hop flavor is Melvin comes mm. to comes to mind that they've just recently decided they broke down and did a hazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or it, it kind of reminds me of Woodland Empire here locally. It does their rotating IPA series in the 16 ounce cans. Well, mm-hmm. hazy IPAs are usually in a 16 ounce can. And they did a couple hazies and then they did just a juicy IPA in a can. Not didn't advertise it as hazy, and I heard people just get pissed off and complain. They're like, "Well, this isn't hazy," and I'm like, "The can doesn't say it's fucking hazy." Yeah. <laughs> it's a marketing ploy, and it 
it, I think the style's here to stay. I think the flavors and the the style is interesting enough to lend itself to a lot of people, but it's all how you market it. Fair um, enough. That's what a lot of this comes down to. Whether yeah. you make a good beer or not, it's how you market it. It's- marketing, I you know, I, I grudgingly accept that marketing is a certain it, it there's a certain amount of quality in marketing too. Yes. And you can have a brilliant beer that's marketed poorly that is yep. that does terribly. And, and there's the flip side. And you can have really shitty beer that's marketed that has a cool label that yep. sells like wildfire. Yep. Guess what? The latter's <laughs> the latter does better. Yeah. Which is sad and alarming, but that is the case. Um Another style I want to just—I just wanted to uh, see your opinion on Brute IPA. Uh, I think that one's gonna die. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it's mostly dead. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just kind of an unusual thing that I—if you're trying to convert a beer drinker to do something, going back to the hazy of pulling out the bitterness to make it more palatable—I think will convert a non-beer drinker or somebody who's a light beer drinker. The Brute IPA is not doing that for non-craft beer drinkers. So I I think, yeah, that's a tough one. But or for craft beer drinkers, I mean. It's going to go by the wayside. I I think so. There might be a little hurrah here. You know, still some people are going to put them out. But What's your opinion yeah. on all these big breweries starting their own seltzer lines? I personally don't care for seltzer. Um, again, it, it comes back to an offering of... You know, what if you want to offer something else in your tap room or, I mean, if you want to make money on it, it is a business to make money. And there is a market of people who have been drinking flavored seltzered water forever. So to do hard seltzer, I mean, it now 14% might be a little uh, (laughs) over the top. That strikes me as just that that just strikes me as a money grab, a bad decision package in a can for you so you don't have to yeah. go looking for one really they're staying true to their brand we already discussed that <laughs> yeah. bad decision in a can yes all right i had one more one more style i wanted to throw uh throw your way see what your thought was um the trend of breweries going spe- uh, towards more like the american domestic and specifically Michelob ultra um low calorie light beer but craft style your thoughts so, uh, when you when you throw out there the domestic big beers that have been around forever and those flavors, and to say that a small startup brewery or some of the smaller you know town small town breweries aren't going to do something like that would be bad business. Let's be honest. So if you want to do a light lager, something you know just something that's very easy drinking, whatever it is. Uh, there's a reason why the big guys have been the big guys for a very long time. Now, if you can offer a better product that is similar in that style, that that's an easy convert to you know any non-craft beer drinkers, why not? As long as it's a good product. Now, if you're if you're getting into it for just making the cheapest beer you possibly can to slam you know some label on it and sell it to somebody who you know says oh i don't want to drink bud light but i want something else or you know whatever it is it that's not the right way to go about it but you know i hey i'll be the first to admit when i go camping i usually got a case of coors light with me you know there's a time and place for just real light clean easy drinking beer and if smaller breweries kind of want to go after that i think it's good business 
So you hear just that? Do it, just corn, do it better. Corn's light. He drinks corn sugar. <laughs> corn syrup. Corn syrup, yes. Uh, when it's 110 degrees by the river, you know what? I can't drink a 6 7% IPA or anything else all day long. I mean, that's... On a side note, at a beer fest I was working on Saturday, I had someone come up and they're like, well, we drink Michelob Ultra. Uh, what would you recommend? And I was like, I finally have heard someone say they drink Michelob Ultra. <laughs> I mean, yeah. how 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 hard was it for you to not say, I don't know, a different event? No, I said, here's our lager. And they were like, oh, this is delicious. I was like, perfect. I'll fill up your pint. What are the calories on your lager? No fucking clue. And it, that's that's kind of to the point. I if it's If you're going after something specifically to nail a number, that's not what we would be about. But if it's a style or if there's a market for... Something who just, you know, some people who just want a very light, slightly tasteless beer. It's something that you're going to poke around. It, you know, it's an idea that's out there. And if you could do it better, why not? Uh, you know, offer a good product for the market and the style that people are looking for. There's something to that. And, you know, we, we want to run the gamut. We're going to have something for everybody. Fair enough. You know. So, because it's a hot topic here in Boise... Uh, and the Treasure Valley as a whole. How do you feel about kids in tap rooms, and what's going to be your guys' policy? Yeah, so we are going to be family-friendly. Um, the reality, specifically in Eagle, and I know, yes, Eagle is going to be a big part of our uh, local day-to-day -day, uh, customer base, but we are looking for a demographic that's 35 to you know 60 plus, whatever 35 plus and the reality there is that's a lot of families and they drink beer and we want other offerings we want them to come down and we want a safe fun family friendly environment now with that said um i personally don't have children uh you know i go to restaurants and i see kids running around and screaming and throwing things at people or climbing on windows and all that we will be the first ones to say hey this is not appropriate for this environment. We are an adult establishment. We are serving alcohol. Um, by all means, children will be able to come in as long as they are well supervised. No kids running around. And even still, as long as, you know, they're not disturbing the patrons around them. If, it would, get, if it would get the adult kicked out of the bar, it'll get the kid kicked out of the bar? Absolutely. We will ask that child to leave and the parents accompany him with it. And take your, and take your fucking parents along with you. Yes. Uh, Make sure they close out first. No, we, we will be the first to say something, you know, as soon as we see it. Um, but, you know, there, there's a lot of very responsible families out there and parents out there who, yeah, they understand that they are bringing their child into... An adult environment. That's the reality of a brewery. Yes, we're not a bar. We're a little bit softer than that. Uh, you know, we're not going to have dark windows and all that. But it it is an adult environment. And a lot of people are responsible to that. It's the unfortunate ones that aren't that you hear about. But, yeah, we, we'll ask them to leave. I mean, it's... Mm -hmm. it, you know, and, and, and I've kind of been watching this, you know, argument with, with kind of vague interest uh, myself... You know, and a lot of times, people's objection not is isn't only to isn't just to you know misbehaving children. It's just I want to scream fuck occasionally when I'm half drunk, and I understand that. Yep. But I my 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 view is 
you're bringing your kid to a brewery, might hear the F-bomb. Absolutely. And I and I would want the person who is sitting next to that family with the kid, if they want to scream fuck, scream fuck. We're in a brewery. <laughs> That's the reality. And if the parents are not able to recognize that for their kid, you know, and it, we all grew up in different environments. You know, it, it is what it is. If a parent is okay with teaching their child, bringing them into an environment where somebody might be screaming fuck, and it, you know, in a playful way, let's be honest. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, there's so not no, this there's guy in the middle of the going, fuck, fuck, yeah. fuck, fuck. You're like, dude, you need to leave. What hey, if it's a Boise State football game, that's acceptable. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Any football game, yeah. I think. <laughs> no, it, it, yeah, it's one of those things. I know it's a hot topic nowadays, but... We will absolutely be family friendly. We will be dog friendly, and the, I mean the same policy applies to dogs. You know, we we will ask that all dogs are on a leash. Whether you tell me you swear to me that your dog's the best dog in the world, uh, dogs will be on a leash. But if, if there's a dog that is disturbing the patrons around it, you know, I I'm sorry, but you've got to take your dog out. You can't come in with your dog if he's going to misbehave. I actually so. find yeah, I, I like you mentioned that because I almost find more problems with dogs than I do with kids because at least I think. I think a lot of parents are at least aware enough, like 9 out of 10 parents yeah. are at least aware enough to go, I want to go to a brewery and drink a beer. I, mommy needs this beer because of you, so sit quietly while, I, while this happens, and then we'll go home. Here's right. a tablet. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a tablet. It's almost the dog owners who are worse than the parents. And they just let their dog bark, or yeah. they let their dog go and... You know, maybe the other dog doesn't want to get humped today. You know what? You should probably not allow your dog to go hump the other dog. Whatever or run is. into the back and try to drink out of the sandy bucket. Yeah. I, that a, has that happened? No, I've had some dogs, like, try to run into the back of the brewery, and I'm like, no, get over here. And I'm yeah. like, if this dog gets into something, I'm not going to feel bad if he keels over right here. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's the official tagline for your brewery there, uh, uh, there Chris. Uh, your dog, dog keels over. Uh, I'm not going to feel bad. No, I, I am going to absolutely feel bad. But we will be, you know, dog friendly. We'll be family friendly. Um, but with that comes stipulation. I mean, you got to be responsible. It, I, it's the same for a person. Like you said, Tyler, if somebody's acting up, we're going to ask you to leave. I, it would translate the same to a child or a dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are a family friendly environment. And yeah, fair we'll, enough. We'll have them. Um, I think that's really everything. I think we we'll wrap it up. Is there anything that uh, that you want to talk about that we didn't hit upon? That uh... he's offering free beer to everyone who comes in and mentions this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> free beer tomorrow. Uh, no, it, you know this is a long process, and I appreciate everybody out there who has kind of supported us. That's been the eye-opening experience that you know through social media. We don't have anything really to talk about yet, and people are just reaching out and they offer support and. You know, we, we have the community who just can't wait for this to come. Uh, yeah, we've got a hurdle right now that we'll figure out, and we're going to keep moving forward. And, you know, I, I hope to see everybody down there in grand opening. We're going to have one hell of a party. I mean, sure. prob- pro- probably a question you don't have the answer to yet, but grand opening, <laughs> when, when? When he gets if, money. <laughs> if everything lines up and... You know, we still got a couple things in play right now. Uh, we're shooting for spring next year. The actual build out of the building, you know, it's not that big of a space. It's a big shell that we need to throw up. The equipment takes a couple months to put together, bring in. So we're still shooting for spring. Uh, there's going to be some challenges with building through the winter, but this is Boise. I mean, builders have done this for years, and 
they'll get and through on it. So winter is a loose term. Yeah, it, it snows twice and it melts. It's fine unless there's unless the it's like, in again. Like there's yeah. there was 2016 that wasn't okay. That was once out yeah. of 30 years. So <laughs> once out of like 20, it happened once when I was like five. It's it happens. Jeremy, think how old you are right now. <laughs> Fucking gummy. <laughs> yeah, so it, we're shooting for springtime. That's that's the goal. We're still you know relatively on track. We're delayed a couple weeks, but we're we're still on track and. The, the right achievements have lined up, and yeah, we're still moving forward. Nice. Which well, is- um, and where can people find you on social media, what have you, if, they, yeah. if they'd like to follow you and uh, figure and find out when you're opening? Heckle you. And heckle you, yes. Well, we absolutely love uh, any support or uh, yeah comments on any of our social media or what we're doing, uh, but best place would be through Facebook, so Gem State Brewing is what you'd be looking for. Uh, Instagram, we're getting pretty... Big on there, getting some traction going. Um, but yeah, we'll post as things kind of roll along, and you know the the hurdles as we get past them. We're we're posting the achievements, and we'll keep moving along. And you got got uh, any specific places they can find you on Twitter, Facebook, or what have you? Facebook and Instagram. That's Facebook and Instagram. That's where we're at now. Um, yeah, once we get up and running, we'll be on everything. But those are the big ones that we're we're hitting now. Excellent. Well, thank you for stopping in, Chris. Thank you for bringing beer. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I think that's about it. About it for us. Uh, You know, as always, you can follow us on It's All Beer One on Twitter or It's All Beer on Facebook. Um, And we, and as we're getting ramped up in the next few weeks to uh, go back to our, uh, go back to ranting and raving about uh, AB and Bev and the regular craft beer news. we're always gonna we always love the uh, suggestions about what to cover. So uh, you know, start saving up articles and, uh, and and hit us up. And of course, uh, uh, it's uh, it's all beer at gmail.com. And uh, don't forget to uh, rate the podcast uh, five stars because hey, we grabbed a guy who's just starting a brewery for you, asshole. So you know, be grateful. Be be goddamn grateful. And every time you hit five stars, Tyler makes a little noise. Woohoo! See, that's every time you can. I will actually send Tyler to your house to make that noise for you if you hit five stars. So that's, Jeremy's buying me beer and paying for gas, so. You know, it's, well, you're, you've got a Prius, so that's like five bucks. <laughs> and our music, as always, was Retro Future Dirty by Clevin McLeod. And I think that's it for us. Uh, I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Let's go have a beer. Enjoy. Enjoy.